0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com. The SB Nation NFL Show. Super Bowl Roundtable. This
1: is the SB Nation NFL show. What is good, everybody? I am Rob Stats guerrera This is our fifth and final Hmm. Super Bowl roundtable that we are doing. I am grateful to be joined by Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation and Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Pete, it's your Super Bowl, so I'm going to ask you first. How are you feeling right now?
2: Oh, my goodness. I finally just filed my final injury report of the season. (laughs) Thank goodness. It is week 19 for me. So uh, quite a few injury reports this year, and, and it's a good feeling to be done with that. And there was no media on Friday. It ends Thursday during Super Bowl week. So it's been the calmest day of the week, and I'm excited for the game. I, you know, Now, pretty much all that's left, we'll put a few stuff, uh, a few articles up you know, this weekend, but all that's left is to see what happens in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, the wedding planning is officially done. Now we right. just have to get through the marriage.
2: Right, right. The marriage is, is obviously the hard part, uh, getting ready for it is uh the easy part i think and and we'll see if they can get it done i'm going for that second super bowl in a row
1: how do you feel about your co-host right now brandon lee gowden trying to put the whammy on i mean on the bucks by saying there is zero percent chance the bucks lose the super bowl
2: yeah he's he's been saying that and it does sound like someone who came from a division where a sub 500 record won it Oh. And it was not a team, but <laughs> hey, listen, and it was the worst team. Every every team uh, is on the up and up. There's no no way to to go down. I think from where they are. So you know what? Roof for the Bucks. I, RJ picked the Bucks as well. They were the only two individuals that ended up picking the Bucks for our SB Nation picks, and uh, we'll see what happens. You never know.
1: You never know. And before we get rolling here, I just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show if you haven't done so already. We have had a week. Let me tell you. Deion Sanders, Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers. How about the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith? little Chark Attack action. DJ Chark from the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have been absolutely loaded, and that's not even mentioning the interview that's coming up later in this show, which is RJ Ochoa from Blog and the Boys with Emmitt Smith, the all-time rushing champion. So we have plenty for you, and by the way, that doesn't stop because coming up tomorrow on the SB Nation NFL show, it's an extra edition of our digital radio row. How about Joe Theismann, Carson Palmer, Kirk Cousins? plus the back-to-back running champ, Derek Henry, and a whole lot more. So we are rolling here. Plenty of good things to come for the SB Nation NFL show. BLG, you have this list of five questions for us. I don't even know what it is. I have no idea what's on the list. I don't know if they're all Super Bowl related. You've been very secretive with this list. What do you got cooking over there?
3: Yeah, I just thought it would be a good thing to come up with some questions when the great Michael Kiss told me, that uh, or asked me, I should say, if I wanted to be on the round table for Friday. <laughs> and uh, you know, I came up with some things in starting with my own experience, a little backstory before I issue the first question here for Pete. Um so back when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, which was only three years ago from yesterday, Friday, February 4th, but it feels like a lifetime ago because the quarterback might be gone, who didn't even play, but you know was there that season. Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson is gone. Nick Foles is gone. The Eagles' disaster nationally is a little under the radar, and you can
2: thank the Houston Texans for that. I think that's been the biggest blessing for the Eagles right now, and so it is amazing to realize that it was just three years ago when they won the Super Bowl in wild.
3: It was three years ago, and it feels like if things are progressing... As they as they might is Carson Wentz gonna trade still gonna steal the thunder of the Super Bowl? No, in terms of it shouldn't. <laughs> but I mean, it, there's talk that it could be close. So so that would be yeah. weird. But anyway, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Um, three years since the Eagles won this won the Super Bowl. I remember that Friday, Pete being in Minnesota, and there wasn't media availability as you mentioned, and it kind of just hit me that day, like wow, like I'm in my hotel room, I'm thinking like they're here, this is happening, like all of the the hubbub of, of the media access, like kind of faded, and I was just left uh, with my emotions there. And it was a very emotional time for me because, you know, thinking about this, it had been since 1960, since the Eagles had won a championship, and uh, it had been since 2004, since they were in a Super Bowl, and I just got emotional. And I was watching r- videos of Rocky uh, and, and just crying in my hotel room and, like, like thinking, like, the Eagles are here. Like, this, this is going to happen. And I had supreme confidence they were going to win. So why am I bringing this up? I want to get from you the feel because it's obviously such a different situation. You just saw the Chiefs win last year. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine many fans, other than maybe Patriots fans, know what that's like. So how does it feel, just from an emotional perspective, uh, for Casey to be back here this year?
2: I think the city really
3: feels like you right now are on the
2: cusp of something special. Last year was special for folks that were just chiefs fans i mean they hadn't been to the super bowl let alone win it in 50 years they had renamed the trophy for the afc the lamar Hunt trophy i believe it was in the 80s and they had never taken home the lamar hunt trophy and lamar hunt you know founded the afl and the chiefs so i think that was a, a huge mark for what is i think chiefs fans and this one does have a different feel because of not only again they did it last year but also the pandemic what a road it it took to get here and, and doing all the work from home. I'm not in Tampa right now. I'm in Kansas City. I'll be joining the media after the game via Zoom, which has become a new norm for us. It was always normal for us at SB Nation. It's all remote, but this is now something that everybody knows about. And just looking at what they can accomplish, I think this one is different in the sense that it's bigger than the fan base. It's history. It's, okay, if they can win this one, This could be the best team and era for any team in NFL history. We know nobody has ever won the three in a row. And so if you can get this done, not only is it a a huge feat first time since the early 2000s, but to me, as someone who is the lead guy who covers the Chiefs, I'll get to cover something. Nobody, you know, there's there's chance nobody will ever get to cover that type of thing where you can go for The three Pete and what that would mean. And so I think it transcends what it means to fans now to not only is it going to be a big deal for Chiefs fans, but we're starting to, I think. And again, there's a lot of steps here, but we're taking the first step now into Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls territory. And to me, that's very special.
1: Oh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. You got one. Right. And I know you're here and you're favorite, and I'm picking the Chiefs to win the game. But let's can you win more than one before you start putting yourself in the same sentence with Michael Jordan and a guy that has two
2: three peats in his career, please? If the major reason wasn't because of the quarterback who, you know, at this pace already, if you look at it compared to history, is just so far ahead. And to me that like the Chiefs have Michael Jordan. I've I've gone on record early on saying, you know, I think the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player. And people in the past have said, whoa, hold on, hold on. And then I was right. And (laughs) I just want to say, like, I know I'm I'm early here. And that's why I said the very, very initial steps. But if you're able to win two in a row, you've been to three straight AFC title games. You're probably going to make the playoffs for the foreseeable future, especially now that there's an extra team. So even if you don't get the bye, you have Mahomes in the dance every year. I expect more titles down the road. I don't think it's going to happen every year. I think that would be insane to think, but the fact that he's this good before his prime, he's 25. I just think it's the beginning steps. And so, and this is something I said to chiefs fans last year at the beginning of the playoff run really felt like it was going to be the year last year. And I, and I said, try to enjoy it because there's nothing going to be like the first. And I guess that's the same message. I, I feel this right now. I think we're in the beginning of steps of that. So, yes, could things fall off? Could my homes get injured in the future? Of course, this thing could all fall apart. But I truly feel that way. I know it sounds crazy, and I, I'm i acknowledging that, but
3: that's where I'm at. So, second question here, and it's kind of two questions in one. So, get ready. Uh, what is the most underrated and under... So Sorry, what is the most overrated and underrated reason for the Chiefs' success? I want to weigh in before I let you answer here, because... And maybe this is going to jade your answer. But I feel like Brett Veach doesn't get enough credit almost for the Chiefs' success. Like Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, they're amazing. They're great. But the Chiefs' roster is also good. There's a lot of good players on that team. There's a lot of good GMing that the Chiefs have done. And I almost feel like he kind of gets lost in all the hype that goes for uh, Andy Reid and Mahomes. So, yeah, most underrated and most underrated reasons for the team's success.
2: I think he picked a good underrated reason. I'll stick with that one just because I can't think of a better one right now. Not only does he get the big deals done, but he also is really good at these fringe players. these undrafted free agents that just seem to hit in Kansas City and and he trades for them like a Traverius Ward comes to mind. This guy, Legereus Sneed, maybe could have been in the mix for defensive rookie of the year had he not been hurt. I think he's going to make an impact on this game. There's another undrafted free agent named Turk Wharton who's on the defensive line for this team. And those players that nobody really are you know get nobody has that attention on those guys you know toward the end of draft day he seems to always hit on and i think the biggest feat that he was able to accomplish was thinking about Patrick Mahomes deal in advance enough to get him compensated but also have him buy into what is a team friendly half a billion dollar deal <laughs> which is insane to even say and then trickle down to the other stars, like Chris Jones, who decided, I'm not going to take a signing bonus. He got his money, but he didn't take a signing bonus. They had to give him an advance of his first check, game check. And Travis Kelsey, who I know CBS Sports' Joel Corey is upset about his deal every day, is just so team friendly. And he could have made so much money on the open market, but there's just such a buy-in. And I think that starts with Brett Feech. These players realize they have a cap. And to get into... That uncharted territory that I, I won't say the J word again, they need to take less money. And the willingness, starting with Veach, to get them on that plane and then fill in the roster with these fringe type of guys is why they're having so much success and why there's an advantage over the rest of the team. Um, an overrated reason. I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are significant reasons. So maybe the supporting cast, and I'm reaching a little bit here because I think Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are really good, but I think you could replace them with some other names in the league and you have Mahomes and Reed. You got to feel pretty good about your chances to win. And I love Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You know, I think this could go down as one of the better triplets ever, but uh, if you want to say overrated, uh, Mahomes is that good. Reed is that good that I think they could put put down a winning record with a lot of different skill position players.
1: Can I ask a question quickly? And uh, I'm i throw it out to both of you. I guess I'll throw it out to you first, BLG, because I heard Dan Orlovsky say this on ESPN, that Andy Reid now could be making a charge to become the greatest head coach of all time. I mean, we say Belichick is right now because of all the amount of Super Bowls he's won with Brady. If Reid were to get somewhere in that ballpark, especially when you consider his coaching tree and the success that his guys have had compared to Belichick's, is it possible that he somehow someday takes that crown from Bill Belichick.
3: I think what you just said on there with the coaching staff thing. I think that like unequivocally makes him the most influential head coach in NFL history. Just from like it, when you combine the success of him and everything that stemmed from him, it's crazy. Like no, who has influenced the NFL more as a head coach than Andy? Re- like no one has. And, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, okay, but like in the okay modern NFL, let's say modern NFL and. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Look, Andy Reid's only sixty-two, and I say only, but like that's. I mean, Pete Carroll is what. Um, he's getting. I think he's going to be sixty-nine this year. At nice um so he's he's getting up there but Andy Reid still has plenty of years left here potentially to you know and if they're going to be as successful as Pete says they are then I mean I think he <laughs> certainly can enter that I mean it might not even be conversation it might just be it is Andy Reid
2: yeah I I always just want to remind people that when Alex Smith was the quarterback of this team I picked them to lose on the reg and I we get in trouble <laughs> for it in Kansas City so I just want to make sure that's out there I'm not I, I'm not a homer I don't have this but like I, yeah, I try to keep it as unbiased as I can Andy Reid he he signed up through 2025 right now, and that's a typical length of contract. And a lot of people were wondering if Reed would maybe retire in the next year or two and Eric Biennemi could take over. I don't think Reed is leaving. I think he feels like he's been waiting for this guy in Patrick Mahomes for his entire life, uh, the 20 years he had head coaching. And I think he's going to continue to push. And I, I think they have, you know, they would never say this at a press conference, but I think they have six titles on their mind. And I don't think that's going to get necessarily done in five years. Like I don't think they're going to win the next <laughs> six Super Bowls, um, obviously. And so I he's going to have to coach longer than that. And I, I think they might get close over what would be 10 to 12 years. 12 years is what Patrick Mahomes' length is. And I think it is fitting because Lamar Hunt was so league first when he tried to, you know, when he got the AFL combined with the NFL, coined the Super Bowl, made that a big deal. and he And Reed kind of steering... I think, and always being a league first in a way, he'll never say a bad thing about the league. Like he'll frequently be asked questions, "Well, what do you think about the league doing this, making this decision?" And he's always like, "The league knows what they're doing." And and I, I think re- him realizing that importance, and then also grooming coaches. I mean, he is the biggest backer of coaches like Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson moving on, and now the same thing would be enemy, even though it hasn't happened for him yet. And so, for sure, the most intram- influential, or one of the most influential figures in NFL history, and I think. You know, if he gets this one on Sunday, and then all of a sudden him and Mahomes are are four away, it, you know, it it does increase the chances. Uh, Mahomes personally, too. I know this wasn't the question, but you know, this is a a two two championship swing against the quarterbacks that he's chasing. So that that's makes it a bigger game. And I I think as you can hopefully and and continue to rack up some of these Super Bowls, and you get into like the three four range, then it I think it starts to become really interesting. And this is a huge if, and I'm I'm and stats, i I'm, I'm going to say that. If you're able to get the three Pete and do what no one else has ever been able to do, a lot has to happen first Sunday and then all of next year, then I think that puts you in a set separate category altogether. That's
3: fair. So next question on my list and stats, I want you to jump in here. I guess after Pete with the with the Bucks version of this, you're the Bucks surrogate for this answer. But um right. for Pete, it is what is the biggest reason why your team will lose this game?
2: Right. Okay. So the <laughs> biggest reason that will I it you have to go to me along the defensive line in the front of the bucks against the offensive line and, and similar to what we saw actually in the NFC Championship, where Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have been have been incorrectly compared to each other quite a bit, you know, especially early on in Mahomes' career. And so I, I don't think they're exactly the same actually you, you're gonna believe it or not, I actually think Mahomes is a little bit better. But at the same time, <laughs> they had some success in the NFC title game against a very, very, very similar Quarterback, and you know you can make a case that the Chiefs' offensive line is right there. Along the Packers are probably a little worse now with all the shuffling. Only Austin Ryder, the center, is in place from week one. And I think if the line and the front are able to speed up Mahomes and dominate, then I think that you know, the the Bucks can take control of this game and and make it a little bit dicey for Kansas City. I, I hard to expect that'll happen because I think Riedel' game plan for that. But you know, to say that that scenario is impossible, that would be crazy for me to say.
1: If I had to pick a reason for the Bucks to lose this game, and it maybe it's kind of obvious, but I think it's Tom Brady. Like, If he plays the way he played in the NFC title game, especially in the second half, they're going to get crushed. Like, I feel like we're glossing over the fact that Tampa Bay had to stonewall Aaron Rodgers for three possessions in the second half because Brady kept turning the ball over. He can right. maybe maybe afford one turnover in this game and that is an if if he does more than one they have no shot to win I need to see Brady like the game against the Falcons earlier this year where he threw four touchdowns Or I don't need to see the three interceptions in the second half guys so to me the biggest reason the Bucks lose is because Brady plays like a 43 year old dude
3: I mean there's no chance that's going to happen though so but uh but nice try there (laughs) Seth Um, (laughs) you can never count out touchdown Tom all right so one nice, you know, it's funny. Sorry, quick point
2: ahead. on this, you know, it's funny. i this is something that I've said in Kansas City recently too. I I think this is the last game where there are some neutral fans that are rooting for the Chiefs because of, and I only think it's because Brady made it and not Rogers. This is the final because if they're able to win this game, they're now in that territory of like we are sick of this same team. Whenever so I told guys. fans Yeah, I tried to tell fans I'm like I'm like let's you know try to enjoy this one because this is the last time people are going to be happy for you you know what I mean
3: yeah that was the uh, that's basically what happened with the Warriors right like uh, everyone right, loved exactly. them when they were coming up and like Steph and they were on late at night and like they hadn't won anything yep. it's like this team is awesome and then they started to win and <laughs> you know Kevin Durant right. joins them and it's like no no yeah. um, yep. uh, so another one for both of you I guess same kind of theming uh, Pete start with you one nice thing you can say about the Buccaneers and then one mean thing
2: <laughs> okay um I, I'll I'll stick with this because I, I love him in fantasy and I want the Chiefs to maybe get him in the offseason. But Chris Godwin, to me, uh, he got hurt this year and fell into the shadows, in my opinion. And I think he's among the best wide receivers in the NFL, um, especially, I think, from that slot position and just how much damage that role can do now. And I think you can see it in, in the way that Brady trusts him. I know sometimes Mike Evans will put up bigger numbers, and I think that's because of the shots that he'll Take downfield, but you can I think see, and Brady knows, right? I mean, he knows that he needs to have his his target and his guy to go to. I think that's Godwin for the bucks, and so Brady's going to stay. You think the bucks will push to get him, but he is due to become a UFA, and so I'm really intrigued at seeing where Godwin goes and something mean about the bucks. Uh, you guys took Antonio Brown and gave him another opportunity. <laughs> That's an embarrassing feat, and that's an embarrassing quality about you, right? I mean, you could make a, a very, very reasonable case that this guy should be out of the NFL for good, and so maybe that that'll be my main thing.
1: One nice thing about the Chiefs, um, I'm so sick of hearing nice things about the
2: Chiefs. The stats, <laughs> I could f- tell, is is you're you're along the edge of of ready to turn on the Chiefs. you you might have a heel turn at some point here. No, soon.
1: no, no, I am not. It's happened. Yeah, we are along. The second Patrick <laughs> Mahomes held up that trophy last year, I'm all against the Chiefs. Uh, one okay. nice thing, I think Chiefs fans are incredible. The fact that they can have the record for the loudest home field beating Seattle and the entire stadium in Seattle was designed to amplify sound is incredible. So I give it up for the Chiefs fans. One mean thing about the Chiefs, like they don't let Tommy Townsend play enough. <laughs> they never punt. This guy's going to be in a Super Bowl. He's not even going to get to see the field. That ain't right.
2: And, and my goodness, those locks. If you don't know who Tommy Townsend is, he's the Chiefs punter. And he has, and I would say, shoulder length hair. He, this hair flows in the wind. You got to imagine it's supposed to be rainy in Tampa. If he's out there, it's going to be wet. You know, like it, dreamboat status. So that we, we, we wish we could see some more of Tommy Townsend in Kansas City.
3: All right. So I had one final question here. And it's for all of us. Uh, I will go last after you two. Who Uh wins the Super Bowl and who is Super Bowl MVP? Satch, do you want to start here?
1: I mean, I hate the way we do this. Like, we just give the the MVP to the quarterback of the winning team. Like, there's no chance. If Mike Evans has an incredible game, they're going to give it to Mahomes. Because whatever Mike Evans has, it goes to Patrick Mahomes. James White had an incredible Super Bowl when the Patriots beat the Falcons. He scored 20 points in the game. He did. They gave it to like they just they don't recognize the really great players. So I think the Chiefs are going to win. It has to be Mahomes.
3: Well, Damian Williams last year, too, you could say. We, we, right.
2: Yeah. Damian probably was more deserving of, of the trophy. And what I've been doing is just trying to name the best non Mahomes player as well. And so I'm taking the Chiefs here. Uh, big surprise, 37 to 27. I think they win by two scores. And I think Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP. I think the most important player for them is Travis Kelsey. I think there's no way the Bucks allow Tyreek Hill to do what he did again. And I, I think they'll have a plan for Hill, and that means it'll be Kelsey time. Dark Horse is Watkins. I saw there there were some odds for you betters out there that was like 10,000 to one on Watkins Whoa. to win the MVP. That's worth a little you know, throw at it. I, I, you know, I, I really think that Watkins could come in. He hasn't played at all in the playoffs since week, week 16 and and he could play a role, especially if, if the bucks do control Hill. And so taking the chiefs again to repeat and, and then we'll see if they could, uh, pull off the three Pete spelled P E T E. Of course. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe it's like a Watkins reverse or like a trick play you really <laughs> hit on the prop bet there. Like watkins Sammy Watkins, uh touchdown pass, uh, try to take it away from Mahomes. Um yeah, I'm going to take the Bucks, no surprise. Oh, uh, <laughs> come on.
2: <laughs> Who invited this guy?
3: Well, I don't want the Bucks to win. That's like the key difference between me and RJ. Like RJ said he was rooting for the Bucks to win. That is not well, RJ
2: has had to deal with me on Monday football Monday all year. That's <laughs> why, that's part of the reason.
3: That's understandable, but it's also the case of him just being like the ultimate heel and villain. I mean, he likes the <laughs> Cowboys. Uh naturally he would like The the Bucks and Tom Brady. So, uh, but I'm going to take Brady to be MVP. I mean, that's it's a chalk pick. But I mean, it's it's his 10th Super Bowl. In case you didn't hear, and I'm pretty sure uh, there's no way the Bucks win this game, and he's not MVP. I mean, that just it wouldn't make sense. Like they're not going to win because some some kind of defensive struggle. Like that's not going to happen. Um, So if if you know if he wins, it's it's because of Brady. I'm going to take the Bucks to win 38 to 35. All right. Your funeral. <laughs> I'll be okay with it.
1: So that's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL Show Super Bowl Roundtable. The picks have been made. As we have said, everything is ready now. The table is set, and now the only thing that's left is to just enjoy the game. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have an interview with R.J. Ochoa and Emmett Smith. I'm sure he has not come down from cloud nine after getting to you, <laughs> Emmett. So you'll hear that after the break.
4: Pleased to be joined now here on the SB Nation NFL show by the one, the only, the legendary, internationally famous. He once wrote down the goals that he went out and accomplished. The NFL's all-time leading rusher, three-time Super Bowl champion, MVP in every capacity of his life, pro football Hall of Famer, the one and only, the GOAT, Emmitt Smith. Emmitt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
5: Thank you for having me.
4: Uh, How's your week going? You've been eating well. You've been if you're watching this interview on YouTube, you can see that Emmett is surrounded by a nice uh, a nice array is the way I'll put it. Yes,
5: it has been a blessed blessed week. I have been eating well. Uh, I've had some fish and I've had me some uh, Caesar salad for the last couple of days and You know, uh, uh, you know what? I just had something bad. I had some chips and I had a Twix bar. (laughs) So if you want to count it, I had to have my dessert. So it's all good.
4: Okay. well, hey, I mean, you've uh, you've earned the right to have a little bit of a cheat moment every now and then. Um, I do want to start with who you're here with, because it's hard not to notice the incredible background behind you again for the people watching. Please tell us how you are taking the time to join us today.
5: Yeah, yeah. I am here with Hedidura. I've been working with Hedidura for the last 10 and a half years. And so we started here in Dallas in Super Bowl um, uh, 45 uh, with the relationship and that relationship has grown to this day. And so today I'm here celebrating uh, this Super Bowl weekend with Hedidura and my friends uh, over at Brown Foreman. And we're sipping on a little bit of Hedidura tequila right now. This is Ultra. And uh, I'm going to be doing it on on Sunday at the house, enjoying the Super Bowl festivities and uh, along with some ribs, some chicken and some uh, queso and everything else with my family. And, and, uh, you know, I like to have my uh, ultra on ice. Uh, Other folks like to have the horseshoe margarita, if you will. And um, we're just going to enjoy it and, and drink responsibly.
4: Hey, I know that the, uh, the ingredients and the instructions for all of the awesome cocktails, you mentioned the Horseshoe Margarita, are available on Eradura's website. You can also follow them on social media at Eradura Tech, that's T-E-Q, for tequila. Emmett, I do want to ask you something that I've always wanted to ask. If you had to, right now, right this moment, somebody yanks you from this interview, and go defend your Dancing with the Stars title, you have to pick a song right now. What's the song you're going to?
5: I'll probably go to the one I won a championship with, with Stevie Wonder.
4: Okay. Well, yeah. hey, I mean, why, why go with anything other than what served you well before? Exactly. If it, if, if it isn't broken, don't try to fix it. That's right. Uh, I'm sure you'll be very busy all weekend long, drinking responsibly, enjoying the food. Maybe on Saturday you'll sneak in some waste management viewing. Obviously, it's going on in parallel with the Super Bowl this weekend. I know you yep. were there last year, and yep. I've seen before you've played golf with President Obama, Tony Romo, among other people. If you had to put together your dream foursome, who would it be?
5: Oh, man, that's a very good question, too. It probably would be Obama, Jordan, and Tiger
4: Woods. That's hard to beat. If you're going two-on-two two here, you know, some sort of scramble situation, you teaming up with Tiger, or are you going to go with Jordan or President Obama? Because you can go any direction. I think Jordan
5: and I take on President Obama and and, and Tiger. <laughs>
4: Right on. That's really cool. Um, so we did take some questions for you, Emmett, from Twitter and Gridiron Born wants to know what running back in today's NFL most reminds you of you.
5: I would say Mark Ingram. Um, Mark Ingram running style reminds me of mine. Um, he's very shifty, low center of gravity, running downhill. He's a Bama boy out of the SEC, and that's just the way we do it. So we, we're downhill runners. There's no doubt about it.
4: I think that's a good answer. Myself, I thought of Ingram, thought Dalvin Cook to a small degree, um, similar styles, but Mark Ingram, obviously, I think is is the best mold, ultimately. Um, getting to the Cowboys, if it isn't obvious, that's, that's the team I cover for SB Nation. And obviously, the Cowboys had a bit of a rough season, the injury to Dak Prescott. What do you see as obviously somebody who had a lot of success with the organization. The biggest difference from those days to now. I host a podcast with Tony Casillas on our network, and he talks all the time about how mentality is different. So I'm just curious how you view that.
5: I would agree. I think the mentality is different. I think the world is different right now. Most guys are so focused on on, um, building their social media network up, uh, building their personas up, I'm not sure if performance really mattered to a lot of folks outside of folks wanting to celebrate a two-yard run or two-yard catch or a knockdown pass that hit a guy in the back of his back, but you didn't knock it down. I'm going to celebrate anyway, (laughs) you know, or overthrown pass, uh, but you're going to celebrate anyway. So I see a lot of unnecessary celebration versus guys that are really focused on Mastering their craft or changing the game or becoming a dominant force in a National Football League. I mean, you get that from Khalil Mack, you may get that from Aaron Donald. And the quarterback position, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or uh, Tom Brady or Russell Wilson or someone like that. I mean, you you get those that they, they are committed. But I'm looking for that from defensive ends. I'm looking for the Michael Strahan kind of guy or the Lawrence Taylor kind of guy or the Ray Lewis kind of guy or a Barry Sanders type or a, a Marshall Fault type or Eric Dickerson. Or I'm looking for those kind of guys, guys that that's so passionate about the game, you know where they're standing. You know that they're on a mission to do something very special, and that's every week. I'm not looking for the guy to tap out. I'm looking for the guy to keep going.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really well said. And I think uh, the point about celebrations is one a lot of our readers and listeners certainly cling to. It's really frustrating. You know, Cowboys are down by 20 points, whatever. And, you know, celebrating something that, to your point, I mean, it's a first down that you think, you know, is is something you've done well, but isn't. And even then, you're losing by 20 points. You know, let's yeah. let's keep a bigger picture here.
5: And my father told me this one day. I, I celebrated after a touchdown in Memphis Uh, Tennessee. And uh, he told me, he said, son, I don't want to see you do that ever again. He said, the great ones act like they've been there before. And at the time, I had to to think about it. And as I thought about it, the question I had to ask myself is, do I want to do this or do I want to work on becoming great? I chose a different path. I ran, he said, you're going to score many touchdowns. And he was absolutely right. Literally, I mean, he was right. I scored 164 of them. So when you go in that end zone, act like you've been there before. When you make a big play, act like you've been there before. It's okay to make a big sack and get up and celebrate because you made a big sack. But every time you make one, it's not the same every time you make one. You make one to win the game, celebrate But if you make one and you're down by 25, there's nothing
4: to celebrate. I agree. It's like, you know, when it's your birthday or something, it's like, well, what do you want you know, for dinner tonight? And it's like, well, I want my favorite thing. And it's it's special because you only get it on your birthday when there's a special yeah. occasion. If you ate it every day, it wouldn't be a special thing. Yeah. Um, somebody that I think a lot of fans view as the representation of the ideas you're talking about is Stack Prescott. And obviously the conversation around him is about his contract. What is if you have to come to the most logical conclusion that you can for why he is not signed? What What is that answer? Because that's the question every Cowboys fan has right now.
5: The only answer I, I can give is the Cowboys are uncertain whether or not he's the future of the Cowboys. Outside of that, if he was the complete future of the Dallas Cowboys, they wouldn't make no bones about giving him a contract. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, Tony Romo, they was committed to Romo right off the rip. Right off the rip. And, and, and he came in and Replaced Drew Brees, I'm um, Drew uh, Bledsoe, and I mean he's not the biggest guy, he's not the most slashes guy, and he's not the fastest guy either. And so, um, and he had his challenges, but there were there was there was a commitment to Tony Romo. There is not a commitment to Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys are leaving it open to everybody like us mm-hmm. to question, to pick holes at it. And I don't know if that is because they want to stay relevant in the news and be newsworthy, but at some point, this nitpicking is going to filter its way right into the entire team, and it's going to hurt the entire organization in the end.
4: I mentioned, I, I do host that show with Tony Casillas. He's talked before about Charles Haley putting a hole in the wall during your holdout, obviously. And, and that's, you know, you had your reasons and, and that's a whole different situation, but you're right. the The outward discussion, people like you and I sitting here and talking about it. When, when you don't take care of the contract, you leave that door open for people to have that discussion. And exactly. so, you know, that that conversation is ultimately not a good thing. You're right. Maybe it is to be in the news or whatever the case. That is kind of the Cowboys way, uh, which is a lot of fun, ultimately. Um, Emmett, I mentioned it when I introduced you. You very famously, upon your entrance to the NFL, wrote down your goals. In fact, you've said it many times that it's only a dream until you write it down. And that's when it becomes a goal. And your three goals, obviously, when you entered the NFL, you wanted to be the NFL's all-time leading rusher. Great job. You wanted to be the team MVP and you wanted to go to the Pro Bowl. You did all of those things in spades. Congratulations. Again, the greatest of all time. Um, if you had to write down goals, and I, I, I would like three because you know, that's how you started the Hall of Fame career, three off-season goals for the Cowboys. They can't be dreams. We've got to write them down so they can be goals. Right. What are your off-season goals for the Dallas Cowboys?
5: Make up your mind whether or not you're going to be committed to Dak Prescott or not. Okay. Go out in the draft and pick some players from the interior. Offensive line and defensive line to so we can become better uh and have some depth offensively as well as some, some depth commitment on the defensive front so we can get pressure on the quarterback. Cause our secondary is not that bad. Mm-hmm. They could be so much better if we were able to get pressure on the quarterback. Um then I would just say I would my goal would be for the everyone to be completely healthy for entire season. An entire season and go and play lights out, put it on, hang it, hang it on the wall for, for 20 weeks. That's it. And let's see what this thing ends up at after 20 weeks of football.
4: Yeah. See, I I echo that completely. I would say get somebody that gets pissed off enough to put a hole in the wall. Like that, that's kind of what you were talking about though, right? Like is your Khalil Max, your Michael Strahan's like somebody that really kind of cares that much that has that level of pride. That's what people want to see. My final one for you, Emmett. and we certainly appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm a big NFL films fan. I loved your episode of a football life. I've spoken to Chris Weaver about the production behind it. He's a great guy and certainly told all a bunch of fun stories about you guys putting that together. Um, There's a lot of great sound bites in NFL history, right? Matric, Circulating down the field and things like that. One of the ones that I think gets slept on is after you guys won Super Bowl 28 and you were the MVP of the game, you said, Two in a row, how sweet it is. And I just feel like, like that doesn't get the attention it deserves. Like, is that your favorite soundbite that's been captured in, in your career? You
5: know, I'm not sure if that's my favorite because I haven't heard all the soundbites. I don't <laughs> remember all of them, but I do remember saying, Two in a row, how sweet it is. Um, and, and it's funny because I won back-to-back state championships in high school. And then I become a professional athlete. We went back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, and so it was, it paralleled my high school career at the time. And then we, we didn't win it after my senior year. And then after that, I went on to college, but then we took the break here with the Cowboys and, and then we went right back and we won three out of four. So the potential was there and uh, to realize three, uh, and the, the potential was there to even perhaps even play in four. But uh, two in a row, that is pretty sweet. Well, I mean, it is hard, it's hard to repeat, especially uh, when you know, when teams know you so well.
4: I think that that is a challenge the Kansas City Chiefs are certainly facing this week. Uh, we have to make sure, Emmett, that we do this again next year for two in a row to make that very sweet indeed. Uh, just like Eradur tequila, sweet, savory, perfect in every capacity. Please drink responsibly. Emmett, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Have a great year. Have a great offseason. Enjoy it. Play some golf if you can wrangle up, you know, Jordan and Tiger, President Obama. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But thank you so that'll much. Be great,
5: that'll be a great force. As a matter of fact, we should go to Jordan's course and play it at Jordan's course. Palm down. Grove. Okay. All
4: right. I'll meet you there, Emmett. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of the week.
5: Make sure you wear your Jordans.
4: (laughs) Oh, I will.
1: (laughs) That's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. Again, rate, review, subscribe, and don't miss it because tomorrow, Joe Theismann, Carson Palmer, Kirk Cousins, DJ Chark, and Derrick Henry on a special Saturday edition of the SB Nation NFL Show Digital Radio Row. Check that out as well.